Hey, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. This is Harrison. I'm the pastor here at Kingdom Church. Hey, today is an extremely special message. We have Pastor Brett from Engage Church in Spruce Grove in Stony Plain. We're honored that he joined us this past weekend. You are going to enjoy this message, so sit back, relax. Here it is. Awesome. Well, it is my honor to be here with you, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited what God is doing in St. Albert here at Kingdom Church, and uh, Desiree and I, it's my wife Desiree on the front row there, uh, we, we planted our church five years ago, and, um, and we know what this journey is like. That was the second church we planted, so we've done this a few times. We know what this journey is like, and I want to tell you that where you are right now is miles ahead of even where we were at this stage when we started our journey. Sometimes it's like, you know, starting things new is, is not always easy, and you don't know how to even quantify it, and uh, you are killing it, and you guys are doing an incredible job, and it's amazing uh, what happens when people get together around a common vision of reaching a community in a city uh, for Jesus. It's amazing. What can happen when we, we say, no, I, I, you know, I, I've spent a lot of my time, maybe you're, you're like, like me, you spend a lot of time, you know, serving and helping in other areas, but you're like, man, I just need to get my hands dirty. I need to get involved. I need to get with people. And uh, the best thing that we can do is put on an incredible service, but then we can carry that out through the week and we can call somebody and go for coffee or send a text message and say, hey, let's do life together. Because I don't know if you remember this moment, and this is all bonus and free. This I'm not even preaching yet. Um, <laughs> is that Jesus said this thing to his disciples. He said, listen, they're going to know you by your love and the way that you love one another. And it seems counterintuitive. The greatest growth strategy for the church is to actually love one another, love the people that are right here right now. But the incredible thing about that is when we love one another, it actually creates more and more space for more people to come. Because as we're together with one another, the passion and the fire to reach more and more people because we know how good this is starts to burn a little bit brighter because when I'm not quite feeling it just quite yet, Harrison comes and just fans the flame that's inside of him. I'm like, oh, man. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm exci- As you can tell, I'm an excitable individual. And uh, I'm super excited uh, for the journey that you're on. And, and don't ever lose sight of, of this thing that Jesus changes lives. And every single week, there's no such thing as a normal Saturday. There's no such thing as a normal Sunday. Every single time we gather, the presence of Jesus is here, and he's changing people from the inside out. Okay, now we can get to the message. I want to I preach a message to you uh, called, Get a Grip. Why don't you turn to somebody and say, Get a Grip. That wasn't good. We're going to try that one more time. Turn to somebody else, the person you were trying not to look at, and say, Get a Grip. All right, all right, all right. We're at about 64% participation right now. I'm hoping by the end we're going to be a little bit further along. Uh, why don't we jump into the Bible because that's what we're here for. Philippians 3, verse 13. Philippians 3, verse 13. But I forget, uh, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead. I want us to wrap our minds around what it looks like to take hold of our future. Now, uh, my subtitle today, if you're taking notes, and I see uh, Pastor Christie is, but uh, that's, that's one. Uh, 
Praise God. Uh, such an honor to be here. Um, my subtitle is Confessions, and I have a confession to make to you. All right, you ready for this? As a child, I love Star Trek The Next Generation. Why not? I mean, and like by loved, I mean every action figure that is available, I own and still own to this day. Passed down to the generations, it's called legacy people. I got ships, I got transporters, I got phasers, I got tricorders, and in, I, I, when I was a kid, I had a suit. I had the full on suit full thing. I had the badges and the things and the stuff, and I had absolutely everything. But what I find really, really cool is that science fiction actually has this, uh, this uh, ability to have become science fact. There's this guy named Martin Cooper, and he worked at a company called Motorola. I don't know if everyone remembers the original cell phones before they were flat and aren't really phones, mostly computers. Um, back in the day, there's that thing called a flip phone where you just like, sup? <laughs> this guy, Martin Cooper, loves Star Trek original series, which isn't as good, but it's fine. And they had this thing on the show called a communicator, and they would flip it open and talk to anybody. And so Martin, working at Motorola, working on a mobile phone, goes, oh, I got an idea. I should flip this bad boy open, and I can talk to anybody, anywhere. You see, science fiction became science fact, but that's not the only thing in Star Trek that came into real life. They walk around with these, like, pads, like, these, like, things. You're like, oh, wow, it would be so cool in the future for someone to just hand me a digital tablet, and I could just, like, look at stuff. <laughs> Called an iPad. And your iPad, this iPad that I have right here is actually like 10 times more powerful than the one that they used in the show. Because that one wasn't even one whole screen. They had buttons. Because it was the past, but they were predicting the future. Science fiction became science fact. They have this thing on the ships. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And they go, hey, computer. Where's Harrison? On the front row. <laughs> and you're like, oh, sweet. And then I'm like, hey, Siri, can you find Harrison's phone? Science fiction became science fact. You see, that, that creativity, that innovation, that those, those ideas and those dreams of the past actually came to define our future. And I would suggest today that for the positive and for the negative, many of us find ourselves, our, ourselves and our lives defined by our past. It's all these things, all these ideas, all these thoughts that we've kind of picked up along the way and we're just trying to move forward one step at a time. We're just trying to take the next step, but we're just like, we just find ourselves trapped and wrapped up by the past because it's just like, it's just there and it's holding us and it's like, it's the only thing that we can see. The best creativity that we have to even to get ourselves out of the situation is calling back and referencing the past, and at best we're saying, oh, all that pain that wrapped me up, that thing's going to decide me. And so we start making decisions about where we're headed. We start making decisions about our relationships. We start making decisions about our faith based solely on the pain from our past. But can I tell you, Jesus did not intend you to live that way. 
He did not intend you to live your life dictated by your past. In fact, he says, hold on. I'm known as this thing called the author and the finisher of your faith. I'm the author. I write the story. I wonder what might happen if you and I lived from a place where we were following Jesus one step at a time. And as we took that step, we were aware that Jesus is writing and rewriting the narrative and the story and the trajectory of our lives. We're not going to let pain write our story. You don't have to live there. You don't have to stay there. I'm not going to let my bad experience stop me. No, there's something just around the corner, something that feels new and alive. It's intangible. It's indescribable. That's the stuff I want to grab hold of. That's what I want to hold on to. But here's the truth. You've got to clear the road if you're going to make it to your destination. You got to clear the road if you're going to make it to your destination. There's a neuroscientist down at UCLA named Dr. Alex Korb, and he started doing some research, and he started diving into the human brain, not literally like just sensors and things. And so they hooked up all these people and they did a study and, and they actually provoked them to have negative emotions and feelings. Now, how do you get that job? Like, I would love to be the person who goes in and just like, has to provoke negative emotions in somebody. Like, I think you probably would just call your sibling and be like, hey, could you make your sibling mad? They're like, sure. Because <laughs> I can like, the things that my, my sister can say one thing and I'm like, What? It's just like, it's coming back right now. I'm still dealing with it. You know, like, how do you get that job? But what he discovered was that when they started looking at the amygdala and the areas of the brain, as they started scanning all the brain, they started realizing that negative emotions were three to nine times more powerful than any other thought, feeling, or idea that was being processed at the time. So you know that moment when you're in a bad mood and you can't get out of it and you're doing whatever you can to break out of it? Well, there's, a, there's some science behind this. Now, sometimes we get into church like, this guy's not talking about the Bible. He's talking about science. Listen, God's not afraid of scientific discovery. We're just catching up to the things that he already knows. And here's what's incredible. What we're going to discover in a moment is that Jesus already had and created an antidote, and he wrote it down in this book thousands of years before this discovery to help us unlock something in our lives, to help us unlock our future by helping us, by helping free us from our past. If you're going to get to where you got to go, you got to clear the road. And what they discover is if the people that were now wrestling with their negative emotions simply spoke out that emotion or feeling, they labeled it, they named it, and they said it, the power of those emotions would be diffused in a moment. Now think about that and jump with me to 1 John verse 1. Sorry, chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But listen to this. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place 
in our hearts. Let's just go back to the phrase that says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, meaning if we would verbalize and name and label and say out loud the things that are causing us to stumble, the things that are maybe our mistakes, the things that cause us shame, the thing that causes condemnation, that in that moment when we give it to Jesus, not only are we giving it to him in a spiritual sense, but he created us in such a way that we are releasing the negative thoughts, power, and emotions, literally the tools of the devil that are at work in your mind, that if we would simply give it to Jesus, there's not only a spiritual answer, there's a physiological answer that Dr. Alex Korb just discovered the power of giving our troubles to Jesus. Don't you love it when science finally catches up with the Bible? See, that's just like, we don't like this word confess. We're like, well, bro, confess. Like, this isn't Catholic church, man. I'm aware we have drummers in boxes, not priests in boxes, okay? We don't need, we don't need to talk to a priest or a pastor for our sins to be forgiven. Because of Jesus, we have a clear way forward, and we come to Jesus, and we give him all of our stuff. We give him our things. We give him our mistakes. And he is faithful and just to forgive us because he already paid the ultimate price. But far too many of us live in shame, condemnation, and wrapped up and bundled up in the pain that comes with those things. Because we refuse to give it to Jesus because we think we can make it. We think we'll just take care of it. We think if maybe if he finds out, he won't use me anymore. Guess what? He's omnipotent and omniscient and he already knows. So, I mean, we could keep it a secret, but then who are you lying to? Right? Like, who am I lying to? Who am I hiding that from? No, I'm hiding my future from myself because I have prioritized my pain over anything else. And then it gets more hardcore from here. James chapter five. (laughs) Buckle up. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. (laughs) Confess your sins to each other. Oh boy. That's gotta be a, that must be a mistake in the Holy Scriptures. I know it's the inerrant word of God, but confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be. This is where it gets gangster. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Just roll it back there one slide to confess your sins to one another. We just need to see it for a few minutes because we see it and we read it and we hear it and we don't like it, and so we just ignore it. And by ignoring it, we have dismantled the second wave of defense for our future. See, the first step, we, we, can, we can give it to Jesus. We feel comfortable with that because that's in private. And in, in some cases, that's on our own terms. Like, I'm just going to tell him and nobody's going to know, and it's just going to be him and I, and he's going to take care of that. We like this, this, this. This gets real. Now, I think we need to put a giant asterisk here. Because not everyone needs to know everything all the time. Okay? Facebook is not a place. Instagram, 
stories is not the place for you to confess your sins to each other and to pray for, I mean, you can pray for each other on the internet, but please don't confess to each other because what we're not talking about is the airing of grievances at Festivus. What we're talking about is legitimate relationships full of accountability and trust. Here's somebody come up here for a minute. I'm, I'm going to show you how this works. Should, I mean, I'm wearing my church swag so we can swag it together. <clears throat> Available online at gageapparel.co. It's in the If I'm being honest, while I know some of you, I don't know most of you well. I do know one person here pretty well. Because we've had time together, we've had proximity, we've, we've taken the time to get to know each other and to build up a trust and a relationship. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going through something, I could randomly select any one of you to drop my baggage on and unload. But I'm not doing anything other than putting a burden on you that you were not intended to carry. But this is a brother and a friend. And when I come to him, I can share my struggles, my pain, but also my successes. You see, we only think that the connotation of this is negative. You know what the greatest like, enemy of my soul is? Progress and victory. Because I also need to tell this guy when I'm crushing it, and he can say, hey, don't you think that Jesus might have had something to do with that, bro? And I'm like, I thought it was the jacket, man. Because this goes on a whole nother level. This just isn't about my mistakes. This is about my wins, too. This is about my successes. This is about my victories. This is about a real relationship where I, he knows me enough to know that he can speak into the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if, if I'm like getting puffed up and I'm getting proud, guess what? That's the biggest risk to my family and my church and my friends, because I'm making decisions based solely out of my pride and my ego and not out of a trust in Jesus. And guess what's going to hurt me just as much or more than that one or two mistakes that I'm struggling with? So we need to introduce some accountability. Now, this gets weird. Churches have made this weird. Youth groups really made this weird. Like, I don't know if, if you grew up in a youth group like mine, everyone's got an accountability partner. And the things he talked about were like, stop. <laughs> but remember what I said at the beginning? We got to love. Well, they know us by our love. We love each other through the good, the bad, and the ugly. We have the ability to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And if you don't have somebody like this, you need somebody right. like this. I'm going to give you a bonus thought because I've got Harrison standing here looking great in Kingdom Church merchandise, which is available in the lobby on your way out of the service. And we got lots of these, and we want to move these out real quick so you can get something fresh in. So if you don't like it, buy it for somebody else. It's a Christmas gift. Yeah, like stocking stuffers and things. If we think about the, the Apostle Paul, who's the writer of most of the New Testament, for those of you who are new on the journey. Apostle Paul had a Barnabas in his life who's an encourager and a voice of wisdom and direction. And he also had always a Timothy or Silas in his life. 
You need one up and you need one down. That's how this works best. One up and one down. Someone that you can talk up to that can, can help you move forward, and then someone else that you can help move forward. All right, come on, give it up for Pastor Harrison. He crushed it. How much are those shirts, by the way? How much are those shirts, by the way? 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Wow, what a value. Uh. Confession pulls our past out of the shadows. I want you to catch this in John chapter 1. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. These words are pertaining directly to Jesus. He is the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. When we come to Jesus... And we bring him our stuff, our past, our pain, our struggles, our wins, our losses, the whole ball of wax, all the baggage that I'm carrying. I pull it from the darkness into light, and I give it to him, and the light never stops shining bright, and all the power goes away. It's the same thing that happens at night. I got a six-year-old and a soon-to-be four-year-old, and can I tell you? That if there's monsters, all I have to do is turn on the light. Some of us are fighting monsters only because we refuse to turn on the light. I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. Proverbs 28, 13, you can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. Is it possible that I'm not receiving all that God has for me because I'm putting a limit on it? It's a thought. Confession takes the power out of our path. Now, I want us to think about this. Now, when we think about confession, if you're anything like me, I, I love cop TV shows. Anyone else watch police TV shows? No, just me? I love all the Chicago shows. Anyone watch Chicago? Fire, PD, Mad, whatever. Okay, just me again. Cool. You should probably try it. It'll change your life. And maybe one of my best friends is a police officer on the gang and drug unit, and I, like, live vicariously through him. I thought about getting a, a I was going to do a ride-along. I was going to get a real badge made that said a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it had my clergy number on it, like a badge number, so that when I was on the ride-along, and he, I was going to be, like, playing clothes, right? So I roll up and be like, hey, so, what, like, what's the situation? Then everyone would take it seriously because nobody looks that closely at badges. Right? I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. What mystery is that from? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Most powerful organization on the planet, actually. <laughs> but when we think about confession, maybe it's just me from watching too many shows. I think about a criminal sitting behind a table who gets a cup of water, and they sh- just like happening right now, they're shining bright lights in their face and like, tell me the truth. He's like, you can't handle the truth. But that was a courtroom and a totally different thing. But we think about this negative connotation of confession as if I'm perpetrating a crime and we don't think, see ourselves as criminals. But when you begin to dig a little bit deeper into the Greek word 
confess, you find that there's also a secondary definition of the word which shifts from confess to profess, where I begin to acknowledge and openly proclaim almost joyously. So I wonder if we've just put a negative connotation on this word, a spin on this activity, because all we can see is the guilt-ridden me, but that's a shame-led narrative. And who do you think that comes from? Because if we already know that the human brain is conditioned to release the power of the negative thoughts and emotions by simply naming, labeling, and then communicating them, that's just biology. Don't you think that Satan knows how to manipulate the spiritual condition to stop both the physical and spiritual healing of your soul? Right? What if we didn't look at it like, oh, this is just my confession? What if we looked at this is my profession? I'm pulling stuff from the darkness into the light because Jesus is the author and the finisher of, the, of my faith, and he's not finished with me yet. That which he started in me, he will bring to completion. What if I began to understand that instead of just thinking that my past and my pain and my baggage, and yes, my mistakes are just a whole thing of dirty laundry that I keep hidden away somewhere, what if I could begin to profess and declare the good of God in my life. Check this out in John chapter 1, later in the same chapter, John 1 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Oh, just stay with me for a moment. So when we pull things from the darkness into the light, the light shines and it can never be extinguished. And the power of the past begins to vanish away. And I begin to lay hold of my future because what I come to understand is that all my baggage, all my pain, all my stuff, all my thoughts, all my junks, all my wins and all my losses. Jesus is rewriting the story because the moment he shines on it, he puts his stamp on it. He says, I already bought this. I already paid for this. And he says, Guess what? Hold on one second. It gets better. He says, when you look back at your scars, when you look back at your stumbles, guess what you see? You don't see pain. You see my unfailing love and faithfulness. He begins to rewrite the story. So, so many of us are terrified to to take this stuff and pull it out and deal with it. We're holding on to things. We might even be holding on to religiosity as if religiosity is the thing that can give us freedom. I, I can tell you confidently that hope has a name and his name is Jesus. And he's here to rewrite your stories so that instead of being embarrassed of your scars, you can say, let me tell you about the unfailing love and faithfulness of Jesus. Oh, you see this mark right here? Oh, most people are, are hiding that. I'm going to show you this because, yeah, I walked through this. Yeah, I've been through that. But guess who helped me overcome it? Guess who brought healing and wholeness? Guess who led me through it? Our past shifts from pain to a passionate confession and profession of the unfailing love of Jesus. Come on, that's good, somebody. That's good. Because that means I can grab hold of my future. It means I can shake off my past. It means I can let go of my baggage. It means I can do it and I don't have to be ashamed because I don't just confess. I profess the unfailing love and faithfulness that is only found in the wonderful, beautiful, powerful name of Jesus.
And I'm going to invite the band to come up. Why don't you stand to your feet right here, right now. God is in this place. Jesus is in our midst. Come on, Mama. And while the preaching may be wrapping up, Jesus is just getting started. As they're preparing, I want to leave you with this thought in Philippians 3. Talking about our baggage. Starting verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so I can gain Christ. Come on, let's sing together. Hey, we hope that message encouraged inspired you and allowed you to see God in a brand new way. If you want more information on anything, head over to kingdomchurch.ca and you will find everything you need and more. We'll see you next time.